Hey guys, and welcome to the podcast channel for Impact Student Ministries, which is based out of Eubank Baptist Church in Eubank, Kentucky. We are all about discovering who Jesus is, discovering his purpose for us, and inviting others to do the same. We would love for you to join us on Wednesday nights at 6 p.m. This podcast is a place where you can catch up on past conversations from our Wednesday night worship experiences. To stay connected, you can follow us on Instagram at EubankBCYouth, all one word, and on Facebook at Impact Student Ministries Eubank BC. Thank you for being part of the conversation, and let's keep discovering who Jesus is together. All right, guys, we're going to go ahead and get into uh, the, this is the portion of our, our service, if you will, that we uh, are intentional about getting into God's word. Um, let me say this before going any further. If you are someone who is here and you have made a profession of faith, you have called Jesus your Savior and your Lord at one point in your life, then there is no reason why you should not be in God's Word every single day, okay? Um, I tell our adults um, on Sundays that I'm able to speak that, uh, that they should not be waiting on someone else to read them the Bible. They should not be waiting for an organized church service, but they should be getting in the Word every single day on their own, in their own time. So I want to encourage you all to do the same thing, um, that if you are a believer, if you are a Christian, um, why would we not want to spend time with the person who handcrafted us in his own image, right? Um, so uh, tonight we are starting a new series, and I love me a new series. Becca, not so much, but I'm the pastor, I'm the one in charge, so we get to do series. <laughs> Um, so, uh, as you can see on the screen, as you saw on the video, uh, the series is called Be Real, Your Faith for Real. So, uh, in today's culture, there is this very heavy pressure to project a filtered and or fake version of yourself, right? If you have social media, you know what it's like to have that uh, pressure to post the perfect picture with the perfect words. And uh, social media has, has gained and has changed in so many ways, right? We have Facebook, uh, social media apps, Snapchat, uh, YouTube, all those things. And a, and a more recent uh, social media app is Be Real. Have you all heard about that one? No, I haven't. Yeah, you haven't, Luke? Well, let me explain it to you, okay? Be Real is a very simple uh, social media platform that at any point in the day that you do not know about, you'll get a notification saying you have two minutes to post something. Two minutes. So that takes away the time to prepare by finding the, the, the perfect filter or back. You have two minutes to show the world what you are doing in that moment. Um, and the reality of social media that no one wants to talk about is that we use it to hide a really, really simple truth that no one wants to talk about, but I'm going to say it. The truth is that we are a mess. Regardless of how hard we try to portray a different message or um, a different image, that if we take away the backgrounds and the filters and the lights and all these things, and we just go down to our core, we are a mess. 
And it's not just a you thing. It is the every person thing. Like every human being has a mess of their own. But yet we are pressured. You're pressured. I'm pressured to portray this fake version of yourself, this fake version of your life. Uh, so as I was thinking about this, um, I came up with a, a, a three-step uh, test to know whether or not you fall pressure to, uh, to portray maybe this fake self. So the three ways that I think we can tell if we uh, are, are, are trying to keep up, if, if you will, is one, you, take, you, you retake numerous pictures until you find the right one. Isn't good, that's not... Someone had a double chin, uh, that, that ain't the picture, right? The light wasn't good, that's not the picture, right? The foot wasn't arced up, that's not the picture, right? So you retake numerous pictures to find the right one. Or you post every picture online with some sort of filter background or catchy, uh, catchy caption, right? You try to find the perfect words for the perfect picture, right? And a third step or a third way is that you constantly move or rearrange people or items to get the best picture, right? You move someone out of the picture for a better picture, right? You're like, mm, you ain't fitting on this one. Uh, and so if you do any of these things, more than likely you know what it's like to feel the pressure of uh, projecting this fake filtered self. But here's the problem with constantly projecting a filtered or fake version of your life. And it's this right here. God would rather have the real you than the fake you. Jesus defeated death for the real you, not the fake you. And the Holy Spirit works better with the real you as opposed to the fake you. In short, God would rather have you as you are than this imaginary version of yourself. Because I don't know about you, but I've had times where I post things on social media, even, even outside social media. Maybe you don't have social media, but you, 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 you portray in your conversation or in your uh, body language that everything is okay when really things may not be all okay. And so we all kind of struggle with this. And in this series, we're going to be urged to move away from that, to move away from uh, pursuing the fake to pursuing the real. And we're going to bring to light some of the main reasons why we do this. And I, I believe, in, and I may be wrong, but this is not just a student-centered uh, thing, that even adults struggle with this. Because we don't want, as adults, people to know that our family is not the ideal family that we wanted to have in the beginning. As a, as a parent, if Emberlyn has a bad day, I'm not going to post about that, right? I'm not going to post that she was crying all day, uh, that she had an attitude. I'm not going to post that because I want people to know that life is not as good as I want them to think it is. So that's why I'm really excited about this. And what we're going to see is that when we're willing to embrace our mess, that gives God more space to work in and through us. But if we're willing to say, you know what, God? I'm a mess, I'm a wreck, and I'm not going to try to hide it from you. That gives him so much space inside of us to work in us and through us. Um, so tonight in our opening conversation, um, first off, if you're on Bible Crew, uh, go ahead and make your way to the Bible, start passing them out, because uh, we believe that um, everyone who is listening hopefully will have a Bible uh, in front of them. 
Uh, give me like two more people to help them out. Shelby, I think you're on there. Thanks, Luke. Um, so as they're passing out Bibles, uh, if you're joining us online, I know we have a, we have a good handful of people who, who join us online every week. Uh, take this time, go find a Bible of your own. We believe that God wants to interact with you right where you are. Uh, so whether or not you're in church or not, uh, if you're at home, if you are uh, listening um, at another place, we believe that God wants to meet with you. And so we want every single person uh, to have a Bible in front of them uh, so that they can be involved in this conversation. And uh, so as they are passing out the Bibles, we're going to be in a couple different places tonight, um, but I can say that we're going to be all in, in the New Testament. So once you have a Bible in front of you, uh, start making your way to the New Testament. The first place we're going to be uh, is Matthew. So once you have a Bible in front of you, start making your way to Matthew chapter 10. That's going to be the beginning uh, place for us. But as we uh, open up this conversation and in turn open up this series, uh, we're going to address tonight the first reason why we portray a fake version of our, of our lives so often. And that reason is that most, if not all of us, we have a fear of people. We, we fear what people will say, think, or do to us. And so all of us has this fear of people. Now, most human beings, not only do they have a fear of people, but they, in a more maybe positive sense, they have a fear for people. Because there's a difference in fearing for people and fearing uh, and, and the fear of people. In fact, a 2020 and 2021 study done by Chapman University said that 59% in the study feared people they loved dying. 58% said that they feared a loved one getting COVID-19. And 57% said that they feared a family member getting seriously ill. So it's okay to fear for people, right? You don't want your family to be hurting or suffering. You don't want your friends to be in a tough place. So it's okay to have a fear um, for people. Uh, but here's the thing. We... Uh, we are not meant to have a fear of people. In fact, uh, there's a difference between having a fear for people and having a fear of people. And everyone struggles with the fear of what others will think about us, say about us, and do to us. And everyone struggles with worrying about how my action, how what I said, how what I posted, how uh, I acted, how that will impact my personal comfort and my personal circumstances. So with that being said, uh, number one on your note sheet, the first thing uh, to consider that I've already said is that we are not meant to have a fear of people. That in fact, the Bible uh, addresses this. The Bible actually talks about us not fearing people. Uh, so the first place I want us to look at is Matthew chapter 10. Uh, and we're going to read verses 16 and 17 of Matthew 10, then jump down to verse 28. Uh, so check out what verses 10 and 17 of Matthew chapter 10 say. It says, I am sending you out like sheep among wolves. Therefore, be as shrewd as snakes and as innocent as dove synagogues. And jump down to verse 28 with me for a moment. Do not be afraid of those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Rather, be afraid of the one who can destroy both soul and body in hell. So let's talk about what's going on here in these verses and how it relates to the fact that the Bible says we're not, be, we're not meant to, be a, to have a fear of people. Well, in verses 16 and 17, like we just read, uh, 
Jesus is addressing his disciples. He's addressing the, the people that follow him. So in turn, uh, just as he is addressing them in this time, he's also addressing us that if, that if you're a believer, if you're a Christian, that he's talking to you right now just as much as he was back then. But in verses 16, he says, be aware. I believe that Jesus is calling his followers to be aware of people. He says, be aware of people. Um, he tells them that the reason they need to be aware or to be aware, because he says, I'm sending you out like sheep among wolves. And if you look at the history of that verse and, and, and kind of where it comes from, um, at the time there were a lot of false prophets, a lot of uh, false teachers that would speak against who Jesus was, that would speak against what Jesus did. And there were a lot of people that would kind of follow them for whatever reason. And so Jesus was saying, hey, listen, I'm telling you now, I'm giving you a heads up now, it's about to get real tough for you out there. It's about to get real difficult for you out there. So what's that mean? He says to be uh, as shrewd as snakes and as innocent as doves. So what's that mean? Like I've heard that phrase often in church. I've heard adults say it. Um, I've read through it. I have um, talked about it a time or two. But what does it mean to be shrewd as a snake and innocent as a dove? Because being shrewd and being, in, and being innocent are very opposite things, right? They're very opposite reactions. So what does it mean to be, to, to be both? Well, it's believed that Jesus was saying to be wise in avoiding danger, but also being innocent and pure when they were in that, and they brought to the local councils and government. Um, one thing about snakes, man, they, they know how to avoid danger. That most snakes, and, and, and I don't know because I, I hate snakes. Like, I, just they're gross to me. Um, there's a reason why they crawl on their bellies, I'm just saying. Uh, but most snakes, uh, they will, uh, and I could be wrong, but they will not crawl towards you and they'll only attack you, for the most part, if, if they feel threatened. So they're wise enough to know, hey, I'm not going to win this fight. Uh, so Jesus is saying, hey, when you go out there, um, not only is it going to be tough, basically to people that you're going out to speak to and, and speak on their behalf, by the way, they're going to send you basically to the court system. They're going to flog you in the synagogues, and it's going to be a really tough time for you. They're going to be people that they're, they're going to attack you. They're going to mock you. They're going to spit on you. They're going to uh, try to kill you just because you're following me. But have fun with that, right? Um, and as I was thinking about this, obviously, uh, here in this part of the world, we don't see people being drugged out to churches and beaten with rods. We don't see that. Um, I'm not going to say it doesn't happen, but we don't see it here, thankfully. But what I did think about is that uh, we may not experience or uh, be a part of physical floggings that we read about, but how many times have you seen a post on Facebook just go rampant? Someone posts something, and it's like, man, all gloves are off. People are just mean, right? Like we, uh, at, a, at our old church, we had a, uh, th- th- there was an issue in the community, and uh, Becca and I knew uh, the people involved, so we were uh, not really involved, but we would see on social media, like, like people were mean, like they were just attacking, attacking, attacking. So we don't, we don't see people being uh, physically uh, flogged right now, but we see, people, we see people getting torn down on social media. And maybe you've been there. Maybe you've been the topic of conversation. Maybe you've been on the receiving end of someone saying something mean, negative, or defeating to you. And so Jesus says, as followers, you got to be wise to avoid 
wise to avoid danger, but if you are caught in that, and when you are caught in that, be innocent, be pure in that. And in verse 28, uh, Jesus communicates that, uh, that in our awareness of other people, we should recognize that people can only do so much. Now, don't get me wrong. What people can do can be very, very hurtful. I've been there. Most of you have probably seen that. But in the grand scheme of things, people can only do so much. In fact, verse 28 says, Don't be afraid of those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Rather, be afraid of the one who can destroy both soul and body in, in hell. I think uh, if Jesus was here right now in this room and he was um, a part of this conversation, I think he might say something like this. <clears throat> At times, people have too much power and influence over us. At times, people have too much power and influence over us. And what I mean by that is that some of us hold on to things that were done or said to us in the past for way too long. Maybe you're here tonight and you're still carrying what someone said to you two weeks ago or five years ago or a year ago. Maybe you're here and you are still letting how someone saw you in a moment outweigh how God sees you every single day. Because in Psalms it says that he fearfully and wonderfully made us. And it says also in the Bible that he is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. So if God was proud of you in the beginning, he'll be proud of you again and again and again, despite what people say about you. It doesn't say that he fearfully and wonderfully made most of us. It doesn't say that that, that, that view of him uh, or that, that view of his on you changes. It doesn't say that at all. In fact, it says that there is nothing that, that when, someone, um, when someone invites Jesus into their heart, it says that there is nothing that can separate them from the love of God. So that there is nothing, no word spoken against you, no deed done against you, uh, no person who's against you that can separate you away from God's love. So some of us hold on sometimes way too long. And the sad and unfortunate truth of this is that uh, some of you even maybe right here in this moment, whether you're in person or you're online, you know I'm talking about you, yet you're unwilling to let it go. You'd rather have the hurt, have the struggle, than, than let it go. So Jesus says, hey, listen, you're so focused on people, but man, they can only do so much compared to what God can do. And so we're not meant to have a fear of people. And the rest of the evening, the rest of this conversation, uh, what I want us to see, what I want us to consider is what happens when we allow a fear of people to overly influence us. So number two on your note sheets is this. Number two is this. A fear of people keeps us away from the right focus. A fear of people keeps us away from the right focus. So go with me. Uh, jump over to 1 Corinthians chapter 10. If you're using one of our Bibles here, that's on page 539. And uh, we're going to read uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 31. It's a very short and simple verse, but yet it's so clear. It is so beautiful in what God is communicating. So 
In 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 31, it says this, So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Now, there's, there's some scriptures in the Bible that as you read through it, uh, that you're required, or that you have to dig a little bit more into to understand, right? Like there's some verses in the Bible, even as a 30-year-old adult who has been a Christian for a while, even now, um, there are verses in the Bible that I have to spend together, and that is into. Um, and in fact, right now, Jake and I, we're going through the book of Hebrews together, and that is not an easy book to read through. In fact, you cannot just simply read through it and hope to get something from it. You have to like, have to like dig into what it's saying in that book. Um, so there's some places in the Bible that you have to do a little extra digging into, but yet there's also verses in the Bible that are very, very clear about what God is saying. And this is one of those verses. It says that, again, so whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Simply put, the focus of anything and everything should be to honor God. You want to know what the focus should be of your high school career? Honor God. You know what the focus should be of your friendships? Honor God. You know what the focus should be of your dating relationships? Say it with me. Honor God. You know what the point of being on the teams that you're on in school or out of school is to honor God. So literally anything and everything that you are involved with should be to honor God. So let me ask you this. Uh, the last time that you were going through a decision, small decision or whatever, uh, you're trying to decide uh, what to do, whether it be a big decision or a small decision or whatever. Uh, when, when was this question uh, ever asked to you the last time? Will this honor God? A lot of times we think when we go through our decisions, this will help me financially. This will help my family improve. This will help uh, me enjoy work more. This will help me uh, get on the team quicker. This will help me get further along in my classes. And so we go through a lot of questions, a lot of uh, scenarios, if you will. But when's the last time the first question you asked when you, when you had any kind of... Because believe it or not, small or big was to say, will this honor God? Because believe it or not, and I'm going to assume you're just like me, uh, sometimes you make decisions that aren't honoring to God. Because as wonderful as all you guys are, you are in high school and middle school, which is the land of mistakes. That even as adults, I know, again, I'll just use me, even, as, even at 30 years old, I make mistakes. I do the wrong thing sometimes. So you as high schoolers and middle schoolers, you're going to make mistakes. We're all going to make mistakes. It becomes so when we ask that question, will this honor God in the same breath, the question becomes, am I pointing people to Jesus? Like not only is the focus to honor God, but also the point is to point people to Jesus. There's a reason why you have the opportunities that you have. And it's to point people to Jesus. You know, we can get so lost and overwhelmed in trying to make the best decision, right? When you're trying to think of the best decision, you're trying to think through all the options. That can be overwhelming, can it? I know uh, for, for seniors, you know, making that decision of where to go to college, it's, it's, it's a big decision, right? If, 
if college is part of your story, uh, trying to decide which one is big, even, even if college is not part of your story, even deciding what to do after high school is a big deal. For your parents, when you went from elementary school to middle school, that was a big deal. And then when you went from middle school to high school, that's a big deal. And so we can get so overwhelmed in those decisions because we try to make the right decision. We try to get on the right team, go to the right college, do the right thing uh, so that we can uh, appease our parents or whatever it may be. Um, and, and when we do that, we, we often forget that God cares more about whether uh, we are honoring him in the meantime. In fact, I was talking to a student a few weeks ago who, uh, who, who's about to graduate, and, and they were just wrestling with uh, just, just, am I making the right decision in the college that I'm going to? And in fact, we stood in this room right here, and I said, listen, man, I, I, I believe that it's not about, am I choosing the right college? It's about, am I going to honor God when I go there? Because I really believe that, that God's going to honor your decision as long as you're pursuing him. In fact, um, I would say it like this, as long as you are honoring God in the journey, he will take care of the destination. I believe that every outcome of our life, God has already planned. In fact, it says that he has ordained our days before the first one ever took place. So I believe that no matter what I do, I'm ultimately going to end up where God wants me to be. I believe that at, that on in in May of 20, uh, 2017, on May 27th, I was supposed to marry Becca. I believe that. I believe that was ordained in God's heart from the very beginning. I believe that despite uh, me making a lot of mistakes and choosing some really terrible girlfriends that I thought were the one that they weren't, thank God, that he knew that, that eventually I was going to get to Becca. So I believe that as long as you are honoring God in the journey, he's going to take care of the destination. And so if you're a people, it can, uh, <clears throat> it can keep us away from the right focus. But there's one more thing that I want us to see before we uh, wrap this conversation up. One more thing. Number three on your notes is this. <clears throat> a fear of people leads to compromising faith and values. That if we're not careful... If we have a fear of people, we're going to compromise our faith and values. I want to go to Galatians chapter 2, which if you're using one of our Bibles here, that's page 547. But in Galatians chapter 2, in verses 11 through 14, we see uh, this Bible great of a person. They they, They come into contact with this experience of fearing people. In fact, uh, the, the main culprit, if you will, is Peter. Now, Peter was one of the 12 men who followed Jesus. In fact, uh, Peter is, is, is associated to the moment where Jesus says, I'm going to build uh, the church on this rock. So, so Peter uh, was, I mean, he was the guy uh, that first recognized Jesus as the Messiah. And in fact, on Sunday, we talked about this, that he, uh, that, that in, in, in Matthew, um, he, you see him, he is the first disciple to say, you know what, Jesus, you're the Messiah. 
The other disciples, they say things like, well, uh, you know, we've had Moses, we've had people like that. But he's the first one that says, you know what, Jesus, you are the Messiah. That is who you are. So Peter, he's a pretty big deal in the church. He, he, he's a pretty big deal in the Christian faith, yet he, just like you and I, he, knows what, he knew what it was like to come into close contact with the sphere of people. So look with me at Galatians chapter 2, verses 11 through 13, where we see this play out. It says, When Cephas came to Antioch, I opposed him to his face, because he stood condemned. And Cephas is Peter here. For before certain men came from James, he used to eat with the Gentiles. But when they arrived, he began to draw back and separate himself from the Gentiles because he was afraid of those who belonged to the, to, to the circumcision group. The other Jews joined him in his hypocrisy so that by their hypocrisy, even Barnabas was led astray. So essentially what happened here is that uh, Peter's fear of what the important Jewish men would think of him for socializing with the Gentiles, he got scared. And this demonstrates the reality that when we're scared of people, it's much easier to compromise what we believe. Because you see, prior to this moment, uh, Peter was, was living out the gospel. And I'll explain that here in a second. Uh, but what we see is, is that when, 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 when Peter saw significant people, when he saw people that were well-known, he suddenly realized who he was with, the kind of people he was with, and he ran. And the reality is we do the same thing today. At school, because I know this happened when I was in high school, so I'm going to assume it happens now for you guys. And at, at school, things change when the right or cool, when they notice, when the most popular kid sees you at school, when they notice you, all of a sudden, you're more aware of what you look like. You're more aware of what you do or what you say. So when that rather cool person sees you suddenly, you're more aware of how you are perceived. And despite what you know is right, those people change you and what you believe. Maybe for you it hasn't been compromised in school. Maybe it's been compromised in a dating relationship. Because you are so emphatically in love with the person across from you, you believe they're the one you believe that there is nothing. I'm just saying. You're dying love for each other. Which, again, you're in high school. How do you know what love is? I'm just saying. Like, I'm, I'm sorry. Just, I'm just saying. You're willing to, to compromise a little bit. You're willing to, to give in a little bit because you're just so overly affectionate for them. Maybe for you it was getting on the sports team. I know we, got, we, got, we have a lot of athletes, part of our youth group. And uh, I get it. There, there is something, there, there's some kind of hype about being on the team, Right? Like, schools have the teams that they're known for, right? UK is known for basketball, right? So for someone to be on the UK basketball team, there's some hype there, right? Do what? Yeah. It used to be, at least, okay? I'm not sure what the sport is for PC, uh, but every school... Every school has a sport, so I get it. When you're on the team, you're like one of the guys. You're the one, uh, you're one of the ones that people recognize. So maybe you are willing to compromise what you believe, what you know is right, just so you would be seen more. 
and get more of a shot to be uh, on that team. And like I said, at first, uh, Peter, he was living out the gospel. In fact, uh, the gospel is very inclusive. And what I mean by that is that the gospel is for anyone, despite what people may say. So the gospel is for anyone that has a past, anyone that's made mistakes, anyone uh, that, has some, that, that has said the wrong thing, done the wrong thing. It's for those people, just as much as it is for you, uh, that, for you that come every Wednesday night to church. And so Peter was living out the inclusivity of the gospel, but what happens is that uh, because he sees people that are significant, that are important, he, chapter 3, goes a different direction. In fact, in Galatians chapter 3, verse 28, you don't have to go there, but this is what it says, Galatians chapter 3, verse 28. It says, There is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. So what it's saying there is that every single person, no matter what your story has been, no matter what your background is, no matter what you've gone through, what you haven't gone through, that every single person, that if they are breathing right now on this planet, once they give their life to Jesus, they are all one family. Like in this youth group, there is no one better than the other person. Regardless of how often you serve, how involved you are in church on Sundays, no matter what your involvement is or isn't, if you are in Jesus, you are equal to every other believer in the room. And so what we see is that in, in Peter's experience of the fear of people, he became a stumbling block for people to see and experience the gospel. All of a sudden, people were seeing the gospel, but then because certain people were watching, all of a sudden they, they lost sight of the gospel. And Peter began a stumbling block. In fact, if we go back to our verses, we see that uh, multiple people followed suit. Multiple people followed Peter. And even uh, this guy named Barnabas, Bar- Barnabas gets, a, uh, gets a shout out that even he was led astray. So to make this uh, a little bit more personal for us, I believe that the gospel, uh, that when it was spoken to, when it was spoken and created 10,000 years ago plus, it's still just as relevant for us today in 2023. So with that in mind, let me ask you this. How has the fear of people caused you to become a stumbling block for the gospel? When you think about your life being an open book for the gospel, being an easy way for people to see who Jesus is and what it looks like for Jesus to, to radically change you, how has your fear of people caused you to not be as bold or not be as confident, or not be on as fire for Jesus as you want to be, whether it be online or not. Because again, if you don't have social media, you still show people something by the way that you live in this real world. See, the fear of people has a tendency to make us people pleasers. We become more concerned of who they think we should be, and honestly, uh, we avoid tough conversations. We don't want to hurt someone's feelings, right? We don't want to hurt someone's feelings, but in fact, uh, like, let, like, let's be honest, it had to be tough for Paul to call out Peter, right? Like, he came in like guns a-blazing. It had to be tough for him. But in fact, in Matthew chapter 18, verses 15 through 17, God, through the words of Jesus, gives pretty clear instructions of how to handle conflict, believe it or not. Like, there's a conflict resolution in the Bible. Like, three things had to happen. If, if, if you recognize a sin or someone hurts you, you go to them by yourself. That doesn't work. You bring someone else with you. 
If that doesn't work, then you bring the whole church with you. And if that doesn't work, you, then, then, then you part ways. Like, that's the Bible's definition of conflict resolution. And, he, and this was established before anything else, before any other help, uh, self-help magazine or whatever. So the Bible talks about having tough conversations, yet we're scared to because we get so focused on pleasing people. And I said this on Sunday. I told, the, I told our adults that as a follower of Jesus, we have to choose a side. Like, it, it's, it's not possible. I promise you, it's not possible to be a follower of Jesus, yet willing to compromise what you believe because you don't want to hurt someone's feelings. It's not possible to be a Christian and sit on the fence. The gospel's clear. You turn away from yourself, and you turn towards Jesus. And naturally, Jesus, just like he did then, and he does now, like, there will be people that will not be okay with Jesus, and you have to be okay with that. So as we uh, close, there's two things I want you to consider, okay? First one is this. What am, I compromising on, what am I compromising on simply because I'm afraid of what people will, will think or say? When it comes to your life, when it comes to your day-to-day, what are you compromising on simply because you are afraid of what people will think or say? Maybe you're here and you don't feel like you know who you are supposed to be because you are always compromising yourself, whether it be on dating relationships, friendships, or your faith. So what are you compromising on? Second thing is this. What am I missing out on because of compromising myself? What am I missing out on? Because when you compromise your faith, when you compromise who you are, who you were created to be, you lose out on certain things. If you're going to choose to live for yourself in the world, you're going to miss out on the things that God has for you. In fact, when God handcrafted you, he did so with a pre-established life and plan for you. That when he made you, he installed in you a plan and a future and a hope. Okay, And so uh, when that happens, but until you know God by surrendering to a genuine relationship with Jesus, you'll never know what, pre- what, what that pre-established life and plan is for you. Living in, living in fear of others cheats us of the real life and the real you that God intends us to live. Again, God wants the real you, not the fake you. He wants you to show up and embrace the mess. So before we go, I know we we're almost done, but I'm, I'm, I'm going to share the gospel real quickly with you guys, because um, I've, I've just had it let in my heart that just because students come to church does not make them a Christian. Like, it's not like an automatic thing, like once you walk through the door, or online, that maybe they've been coming to church, they've been playing church, they've been showing up, but they've never truly had that moment of saying, you know what, Jesus, you are my everything, and my Lord, and my Savior. So just let me show you really quickly what the gospel is and how to receive it. We start in Romans 3, 23, that for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So every single person, every single man, uh, woman, child, teenager, adult, every, uh, every person who has breath in their lungs, you... Um, you have sinned, you, and you have made mistakes that make it physically impossible for you to be in the same space with God. In fact, in the Old Testament, God was separated by, uh, the, the presence of God was separated by a curtain, and only one person, one time of our sin, we are separated behind that curtain and speak on the behalf of everyone around. And so because of our sin, we are separated from God, and we can't even be near him. 
and we all fall short. And in case you don't know what the, what, in case you don't know what the standard is that we're trying to pursue, it is everything written in God's word. Okay, so there is no one that meets the that, that meets the criteria in every single department. Okay, there's no one on this planet that can say, you know what, I follow every single word. There's no one that says I have done everything that the Bible says. In fact, the, the Bible says that there is no one uh, good enough except Jesus, except God. So this is where we start. That we're all sinners. We, we all make mistakes. But then in Romans 6.23, death we owe sin is death. So because, of, so because of our sin, we owe death. We owe something. And I know that may sound harsh and that may sound intense, but that's what the Bible says. So that's what it is. And so the wages of sin is death. So that's what you and I owe. Our mistakes, our, our, our fleeting attempts to, to be uh, faithful to Jesus, uh, what we owe for missing the mark is death. But here's the thing, and I, I love this part. Uh, we don't stop there. We keep going. It says, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. So yes, your wages are, are yes, the wages of your sin is death, but that's not where you have to stay, okay? Because God loved you so much that he said you're not going to leave. Despite their sin, despite their mistakes, despite their hang-ups, despite their mess, I'm not going to leave them desperately alone without me. And so he sends Jesus to do what we could not do. In fact, in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 10, if you read all through those verses, you see a very clear picture of where you were before Jesus as an enemy of God to where you are with Jesus who is celebrating in his righteousness and in in, 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 in paradise for eternity. So the question becomes, why Jesus? Why can't it be church membership? Why can't it be church attendance? Why can't it be reading the Bible? Here is why. John, can it be prayer? Why can't it be... be why can't it be doing enough or being good enough? Because here's why John 14, 6 says that he answered, Jesus answered, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. So you want to know why Jesus? Because <clears throat> he's the only way to get to God. Again, it's not going through a door and all of a sudden, oh, oh my gosh, I'm a Christian. No, that's not how it works. The only way to get to the Christian status is to have a genuine relationship with Jesus. So how does someone get that? How does someone receive what Romans 10.9 calls salvation? What well, says in Romans 10.9 that if anyone believes that God raised their heart and confesses with their mouth that Jesus is Lord and believing in their heart that God raised him from the dead, they will be saved. You'll be saved. So you want to know how to get to Jesus and how to get to God? It's admitting that you have a mess that you can't clean up by yourself. Remember how I started off by saying we all have a mess? The only way to really clean that up is to have Jesus. So here's my prayer for tonight. Two things, two really simple things, and I'm going to pray then we'll be done. If you're here, and you know, you know, you know without a shadow of a doubt that you have never placed your faith in Jesus. You've never called him your Lord, never called him your Savior, never had that moment where you say, you know what, God, I am nothing and you are everything. If that is you, whether people know it or not, I want you to come find me before you leave. And let's change that before you leave, okay? I promise you, if, if someone's waiting for you, they, they can wait a little bit longer, okay? And if they get mad, come talk to me, okay? But if you've never done that, come talk to me. Come talk to one of our adults. Listen, they would love to talk to you, okay? I know they have, they have a heart for you guys because they have a lot of other things that they're doing on a Wednesday night because they all, for the most part, have kids. Some of them have, have adult kids. But as adults with kids, we have very limited time for ourselves. So this could be one other night. But no, they're, they're spending it here with you. So if you want to go talk to them, go talk to them. 
But, here, but here's my second thing. If you're here and you know you're compromising yourself, you're compromising your belief, you're compromising what you stand for in the name of Jesus because of a relationship or um, some reward or whatever it may be, if you know that you're compromising who you're supposed to be, come talk to me too. Find someone to pray with. I, I promise you, I, okay, I know Zane will pray with you. I know that. I know Jax will too. I know Jax outside of here. I know he'll pray for you. I know any adult will pray with you. I know any other student will pray with you if you want that. So don't leave this moment knowing that out there you compromise yourself and you leave here with a chance to redeem yourself from that. But let's pray. I'll be here to talk if you want to talk. Um, but let's pray and then we'll be done. And, that, and then when we're done, uh, y'all will have your Bible study over in the corner. Okay, so let's pray. Father, we uh, just thank you for who you are. And uh, Father, I am thankful that despite my mess, despite my hangups, despite uh, just all the crap that I do, uh, that you are still madly in love with me. And I know you you feel the same way about every single student in this room right now. You feel the same way about every single parent, adult in this room right now. So I pray if there is anyone anyone that has not professed you as their Savior and their Lord, they've never owned their mess and offered it to you to clean it up, God, that you would break through to their heart tonight, that you would lay down any walls, break down any walls, break down any defenses, and that you would just help them realize that they need you and only you. Father, I pray for the ones that have done that. Maybe tonight it's time for them to run back to the gospel. I think it's time that that the student population, the student generation, the students that are not just the church of tomorrow, but they're the church of today, I think it's time that we start raising leaders who are unwavering, who are willing to stand up for the truth of the gospel no matter what. So I pray that if there's anything inside of us that become, that makes us an obstacle, that makes us get in the way of the gospel, that you would just help us do that. Help us realize that and just convict us about it. Work on our hearts through it, that to just convict us and, and, and just bring us back to you. Father, we love you. We thank you. Bring us back safely next week, and it is in your powerful name that we pray. Amen.